When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Welcome to episode 100 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, where Captain is King, Marissa is Queen, and spoilers are a no-no zone. Today we are going to talk about the final chapter of Cress, book three in the Lunar Chronicles. I am your host, Bethany Finger. Today I have two very special guests. I have Cassie back from Of Slippers and Spindles podcast, and Leah is back from YA Book Chat podcast. Hello. Hello. So exciting to be here. Um, (laughs) So... Leah has not been on in forever. I know. Do you want to catch everybody up on your podcast and what has been going on and what episodes they have to look forward to? Yes. Um, so I just came off of um, a couple of author interviews that were really fun. I did Marissa Meyer. And then I just interviewed um, Jillian Bohm, who is the author of her, her brand new book that just came out, The Stolen Kingdom, which is fantastic. Um, I have some fun episodes coming up. I'm going to be covering Matched by Ali Condi, um, mm-hmm. Aurora Rising as well. I'm also going to cover Fable and Poisoned. I got some really fun episodes coming up soon. So you guys should check them out. Very exciting. Cassie, I know Up Slippers and Spindles is on hiatus still, right? Yes, we are on a temporary hiatus um, at this point. Um, if you saw our announcement on Facebook or on our podcast page, uh, my co-host Drew uh, was re-diagnosed with cancer. His cancer came back. So he's in the middle of uh, treatment for that, and that's where his focus is, and that's where his focus should be. And so we're hoping that as he starts to improve – um, it feels a little bit better, get some energy back that we'll be able to get back to recording, but we're not making any promises because life is life and cancer is cancer. And I want Drew to be focused on getting healthy again and not worrying about our content, but everything we've recorded is still up there. So please feel free to go listen and keep downloading. Um, and if you want to join our Facebook page of Slippers and Spindles, um, we'll be posting updates there as we have them uh, to let people know what is going on with us. That's awesome. I'm I'm really looking forward to um, hearing more about Drew being on the mend and seeing where the podcast goes um, from here on out because I love your podcast so much. <laughs> Well, we appreciate that. We love your podcast a lot. Oh, thank you. Um, And for anybody who enjoys Shakespeare and knockdown drag out fights, uh, the episode (laughs) of my second podcast is called Shakespeare. And our upcoming episode that we're about to film is the um, Battle Royale of Shakespeare Villains. So I put together a bracket of Shakespeare Villains for the four of us to go through and declare our winner. And then we're going to argue about who is the most villainous Shakespeare villain. Oh my gosh. That sounds like so much fun. Yes. So if you like Shakespeare, we have 
we spent three years going through every single one of Shakespeare's plays and we have finished that. And so now we've kind of broadened our horizons. We've been doing some episodes on classics. So we did an episode on Beowulf. We did an episode on Pride and Prejudice. We did an episode on Murder in the Cathedral by T.S. Eliot. Um, And now we're going back to Shakespeare with this villain battle. Uh, And then we're really open to suggestions for what we do next. Nice. That's awesome. Well, I love Beowulf because that's my dog's name. Um, (laughs) I didn't name him that, but I still love it. (laughs) So today we are celebrating the 100th episode, which is just mind boggling to me because at this exact time last year, I was debating if I should not, if I should stop doing the podcast altogether. So I'm super psyched that despite losing my co-host, I found a way to keep the podcast going and I get to work with all these amazing other people as my guests. And now I'm celebrating a hundred episodes and I'm like super giddy. (laughs) I make cookies to celebrate because I also hit 30,000 downloads this week. I saw. Congratulations. That sound that's like it just seems like so many. <laughs> it's a big number. It is. I was telling a great somebody number. about it. I was telling somebody about it and they were like, Well, is that like a good number? And I was like, Yes. They were like, Okay. I don't I don't know in terms of like I see YouTube. And I was like, This isn't YouTube. This is a podcast about a very niche <laughs> group of books. Like thirty thousand is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I have the same we get the emails. Drew's got all our whole thing set up, but we get the emails telling us how many downloads we have. My husband runs a podcast network as well, and he's been doing this way longer than I have. And so I was like, hey, we hit this number of downloads. Is that good? I have no barometer for success. Right. Um, (laughs) I figure as long as the numbers keep getting higher, I'm going to keep getting excited and celebrate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. People are listening, and that's always what you want. So Exactly. And it it makes me happy that people are listening, and I hope they continue to listen as we finish these books and so many others. Um, And so to celebrate 100 episodes, I put up a couple posts for people to send me um, their favorite moments throughout the podcast. And a lot of people just said, like, that they didn't have a special moment. They just really love the podcast, which I appreciate. But one of the biggest mentions was Omega Bob, which is also one of my favorite podcast moments. <laughs> so that made me super happy. So shout out to MNK from MNK Talk YA Podcast because that was all they're doing. I was just along for the ride and enjoying every second of it. <laughs> Um, and then we also had a couple of people who just love when, uh, whenever I have different guests on that they've never heard of before. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did one with author Abigail Spagari. I also did one with author Annie Sullivan. Um, and everyone was really excited to get to hear about new authors and new books that they can go check out. So yeah, I have a lot of uh, things to be thankful for right now. It, uh, it makes me super, super happy. And I'm really glad that I decided to keep the podcast going because it's literally like this exact time last year. I looked at my emails and the last one that I sent to Becca and Ashley when when they were like, just keep the podcast going, do guests and, you know, don't stop the podcast. Just because we can't do it doesn't mean you should stop. Um, and that was on March 12th. So it's like right around the time that I almost quit. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you didn't quit. This, your so podcast was so much fun, and I love being here, too, so it's fun. I'm glad you're still here. I am, too. This is, like, my happy place. <laughs> <laughs> you need to have this break from all of your grad school work. 
Oh my gosh, I have so much <laughs> grad school work. Why did I decide to start writing a book right now too? What is my, oh my deal? gosh, <laughs> Bethany? I don't know. <laughs> do I not have? I literally told Quentin like he came home from work and he was like, "What'd you do today?" And I was like, "I started writing a book." And he legit like got a frown and was like, "You don't think you have enough going on?" I was like, "You have I a guess dissertation not. to write." <laughs> uh-huh. I like I guess I don't have enough going on. Oh uh, what is sleep? <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I should say a big thank you to um, coffee and uh, Starbucks in particular, because the Starbucks by my house is like my best friend. And so this episode is brought to you by Starbucks. Whenever they're ready to come sponsor me, I am down. (laughs) Nice. That would make me super happy. Oh, man. So first, let's talk about some amazing fan art Friday. The first one is from March 26th. It is by Renegade Nova on Instagram. And I have been holding on to this artwork since before I started the podcast. Yeah, that's, that's right. You heard that correctly. <laughs> I have been holding on to this artwork for over two years, just waiting oh for gosh. the right moment to use it. And I love it so much. So it's the last line of book three. So I'm going to Luna and I'm going to start a revolution. And it's magical. I love the like, um, I don't know, shooting star line in there. The twinkle lights, the moon, the purple. Purple is my favorite color. So, of course, that makes me super happy. Um, And I I love the the image. Like there's just a silhouette of, I assume, Cinder, right? And her hair is like blowing in the wind. Yes. It's just perfect. It is. I love it. I just, I, I love um, how big the moon looks and I love the color mm-hmm. of it too. And then like you said, that like banner of stars that are all just kind of in a Maybe wave a across ribbon? it. Ribbon. That's a good word. Is ribbon a good word? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just zoomed in and I just realized that above the eye and cinder is actually a wrench. Yeah, I saw that. I love that. So oh fun. my gosh, that's so cool. I can't believe I didn't notice that. That's cute. So exciting. I love that. But like, this is such a good, we talk a lot about great opening lines of books, but I think it's also really important, especially if you're writing a series to have powerhouse closing lines. Mm-hmm. And this is a powerhouse closing line. Oh yeah. This really is straight is. up chills. It's like you close the book. And if you're like me and you're reading them as they're being published, you go, Okay, how many months until yep. winter comes out? Exactly. Luckily, Marissa <laughs> is very consistent. It's like literally every November we get a book and sometimes we get more in between. So, you know, if as soon as you finish a book, you have to wait basically a year. But I know there are some times when I'm like, I know the gap between the fourth Harry Potter book and the fifth Harry Potter book was the longest like two years of my life. Right. So, <laughs> I definitely understand the burden of like reading something while it's being published because you might read it in like two days, but then you have to wait a year, two years, three years. Like, Mm-hmm. It's so exhausting. Yeah, I I'm a children's librarian, and of course, kids come in, and I recommend my books to them, and they, you know, they'll pop it, and they're like, "I need the next book," and I'm like, "You don't know how lucky you have it, right? It's here, and you can just take it it's and read it." There. <laughs> You're so lucky. You'll never understand this privilege. <laughs> if I like really want to be cruel, I will recommend Pegasus by Robin McKinley, and I never recommend this without a qualifier which is this book's amazing, but it was published in 2008. 
It ends on one of the worst cliffhangers I have ever read in my life. And there has been zero news about the sequel in zero years. Oh my god. See, that is why I won't read any of the Game of Thrones books. I'm like, nope, I can't trust him. (laughs) Until he is done, until I can rely on him to finish his work, I I will not read it. I don't care how amazing it is. I'm not touching it until he's done. Right? It's too stressful for me to like sit around for literally decades hoping that he writes it before his time on this earth expires. No. <laughs> <laughs> it stresses me out too much. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I started reading um, the Victoria Aviar's Red Queen series before it was done. And she, I had read, so a friend of mine told me about the books. And so I got to book three and she looked at me and she goes, just so you know, before you start reading this book, there is going to be a fourth book. She was like, cause I'm telling you this because I don't want you to freak out when you get to the end of this book. And it was, <laughs> it, it was a good thing that she told me because I did freak out when I got to the end of the third book. And I was like, what just happened? But then I was like, oh my gosh. I have to wait an entire year to read the rest of this series. What is going on? Yeah, I try really hard not to start series that have not been completed yet. Um, I'm not always successful. Um, I'm never successful at that. (laughs) I started uh, Ink and Bone, which is the first book in the Great Library um, series, not knowing that it was a series. And so then I did this to myself twice with that one because I got to the third book and I got an advanced copy from NetGalley of the third book. And for some reason, I firmly believed it was a trilogy. So I was like, all right, here we go. This is the last book. And it's, you know, it's an e-galley. So I'm reading it on my Kindle. And I'm like, I've been reading for a long time. And I don't know how they're going to wrap up everything that's happening in this story. And then I like flick the page and it's done. <laughs> and nothing's been resolved. And that's when I realized, oh, this is not a three book series. This is a five book series. Oh, no. Uh, Highly recommend it, though. It's really now good. A, a very long commitment to this series. Yes. Because now you have to wait for so many books. They've all been published now. So oh, I can, good. in good, good conscience, recommend The Great Library Quintet. <laughs> um, and I'm honestly. I, I'm glad that she finished it. She did actually pass away a couple years ago from cancer, um, which is just horrible, awful, yeah, you know, terrifying. But I'm I'm happy for her that she was able to finish this series that she obviously put so much time and love into, um, yeah. and get it out into the world. Yeah, it's unfortunate when that's the uh, the conundrum that authors are faced with, like the Alphabet series. Um, which is a, a mystery series, and the author passed away before she got to the last letter of the alphabet. Um, oh, no. And so the her family was like, yeah, there's notes for the last book, but, um, you know, we are not writers, and we're not releasing them. And so as far as we're concerned, the alphabet ends with Y. And I remember mm-hmm. being so upset because I was like, oh, okay, well – <laughs> All right. I it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So our next fan art is from Cosmic Nova Flare. 
And I got it at the last minute, so I'm super excited because it's from this chapter and it's Kai and Cinder's first kiss. Aww. And I literally texted her back. I was like, swoon. That's it. It's Just gorgeous. <laughs> this absolutely is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous. She's one of my absolute favorite artists and she's the kindest person And she's been so great. Like every time I've asked for something specific, like I wanted art of Amory and Sybil because I feel like we don't get enough of that. And there's been some fairest art that I've been looking for that she was nice enough to create. So I just, I absolutely adore her. Very nice. I do love that. That is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's so perfect. It's like a perfect little moment between the two of them. I love a long-awaited moment too. Yeah, like we've been waiting three, three books, books of slow burn. <laughs> yes, and slow burn's not even the right term no. because they're not even together for two books. Like it's been right. two books since they've been in the same place. Yeah, they weren't together at all during Scarlet. So, <laughs> no. and most of this book, like this, is their big reunion. <laughs> oh so, man. Oh. So big thank you to Cosmic Nova Flare for letting me share that. And you can check out more of her artwork on Instagram. Um, Last week, Patreon members voted for chapter titles. Chapter 59 is Wide Awake by Katy Perry. And chapter 60 is To the Moon and Back by Savage Garden. A band name I haven't heard in a very long time. Uh (laughs) I I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) They were big for a little while there. Mm Mm-hmm. They were. So everybody take a deep breath. This is a big one. Okay. So last week we left off with Cinder finally telling Kai, it's me, Kai. I'm Princess Celine. <laughs> oh, it's um, so good. And it took way too long. That chapter, yes. I was just like, get to the point, Cinder. Quit beating around the bush and just spit it out. And then I was also Seriously. like, Kai, how daft are you? Right. right? right. How are you right. not – how do you not I mean, understand what's happening? She was, like, basically <laughs> spelling it out for him, with, even though she wasn't directly saying it. She was still giving him all these clues, and he just could not figure it out. And I'm like, dude, wake up. <laughs> it's like – it's the whole, like, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Like, no, yes. but at what point do you stop shoving it down their throat for them, too? Like, this is <laughs> – <laughs> but yeah, I I just I, I think I said the last time that I was on these three chapters, 59, 60, and 61 of Cress, are my favorite three chapters of the entire series. Nice. Yeah, that's why you're on this episode. That's why I'm on this episode. <laughs> I was like, you were like, does anybody have the last chapter? And I was like, I don't think so. That's like, a really it's me. long time from it's now. Me. I want it. <laughs> like, you can have it, that's fine. <laughs> and it's it's because like I I get into trouble with myself while I'm reading books of having unrealistic expectations for like certain moments, especially when Mm -hmm. it's a series. And so like with this series, we've been waiting two books for this scene, for this reunion where they're back together. And it's built up so much in this book too, especially as you like get the whole plot of I'm going to kidnap the emperor. (laughs) And it's like, you just know that it's not going to go well. And so the whole time I was reading this, the first time I was like, don't set unrealistic expectations for the scene. Yes, it's going to be great. It's going to be really fun, but it's not going to be everything that you want. Like, it's not going to be this perfect little nugget that's pulled directly out of your brain. And then I got there and it was. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. It is is. pitch perfect. 
Every single beat is spot on. It's exactly what I wanted it to be. It's so cathartic. It's mm-hmm. so satisfying. And just the emotional levels that both of these characters go through throughout this reveal is just like chef's kiss perfect. Absolutely. I love and it. And I love the like back and forth that they have because Kai is just kind of standing there like mouth open, drool coming down like, whoa. <laughs> and I got to tell you, the line, we're on a spaceship, Cinder, in space, never fails to make me laugh out loud. Right. I don't I know why that line like- is so funny to me, <laughs> but it is hysterical. My, my laugh is. out moment was when she was like, how do you feel? And he's like, kidnapped. Kidnapped. Yes. <laughs> I feel kidnapped. <laughs> And even here in this chapter, I also love when he finally is able to like formulate words and he's like, you're Princess Celine. And her response is just to go, surprise. Yes. <laughs> like, I love it. I don't that. know that that's an appropriate reaction, but it's a very Cinder reaction. And it's, it's so very, funny. It's very like on brand. It's in character for Cinder to have such an awkward and facetious reaction because she's just like, yes. uh. like she's just as awkward as Kai is yes. in this moment. And so- the two of them together in this chapter, it is. It's completely Chef's kiss. I love it. We get we get this big, beautiful climax of her finally telling Kai her <laughs> true secret identity. And Kai Yay. finally gets his princess Celine, who he was looking for even before he met Cinder. Like, oh, yeah. it's so good. good I, but it's it, perfect. I also read this and I am like forcibly reminded in this scene as we're complaining about like communicate, spit it out. Blah, blah, blah. Kai is 19, Cinder is 16. Yeah. And teenagers can't talk to each other. They're very bad at it. I know this. I work with teenagers. I mean, I'm 31. Like, it took me a while to talk to people. There are still times when I'm, like, awkward and, and, you know, ramble on or I stutter or something. So I mostly was upset because it was, like, just spit it out. No, absolutely. It was so frustrating that she was like, um, yeah, well, um, but I also, when I was 16, I was definitely the same way. But I also love the diatribe, the, like the rant that she goes off on as an answer to the simple question. Like, is she okay? No, she's not. She's having a really bad day. It's been really stressful. Like just that reaction is so funny to me. Because yeah, and I love her little rant of like, oh yeah, sure, she's fine. I mean, everybody wants her to be this queen and sit on this throne that she never asked for, and people are searching for her because they're demanding that she do all these things and start a revolution. But sure, yeah, it's all good. It's because like, what yeah. are you talking about? Kaya's <laughs> like, do you need to talk to somebody? <laughs> Is there someone okay? I can call? <laughs> like, Cinder, I recognize you seem to be going through something, but I got kidnapped today. I would like some answers. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I see that you have something going on. I do too. So. Um, yeah. And so then the opening of this chapter where she like is still, she's babbling. Cause it's like, he, she has no idea how he's going to react to this. And that like anticipation of his reaction has got to be terrifying. So she mm-hmm. just like fills with, fills with noise and like this just babbling babbling explanation about everything and he finally just has to be like cinder stop you have to stop talking to let I love it though like, listen, listen to her listen to her filling the silence this is what she does and in case you weren't sure i was being sarcastic before about all that great stuff not that i mean i know you have your own things to worry about so you don't need to i don't i i'm fine really 
it's just been a rough few weeks with the whole peony ball Lavana wedding thing. And now Dr. Erland <laughs> is dead and Scarlet is gone and Thorne is blind and Wolf. Well, I'm not sure. He's so still these days and I'm really starting to worry about him, but I've got it under control. I can do this. I'm stop. Please stop talking. Uh-huh. And it's like, it's more of a mantra for her, especially at the end. She's like, I can do this. I've got this. It's fine. It's under control. She's not yeah. telling Kai that. She's like trying to convince herself that it's true. Yeah, exactly. She's like, I, I, I have to, I have to figure this out. I can do it. I can do it. Go ahead, Cinder. You can do it, Cinder. She's encouraging herself. Well, I mean, how else is she going to get through the day? She has a lot on her plate right yes. now. Yes, she um, does. And on top of it, she's supposed to somehow explain all of it to Kai when she doesn't even really understand it herself. Mm-mm. Yeah. and I, But I love the humor that's infused in this scene between the two yes. of them. Because it's he perfect. says, he's like, you are Princess Selene. He's finally to ask. And she does her surprise thing. And then he's like, <laughs> all this time? No, only part of it. I became Princess Selene yesterday. Like, right? <laughs> obviously, yes, I've been Princess Selene the whole time. But, <laughs> but the, she didn't know. She didn't, she didn't know, know until after right. she was arrested. I think so that's it wasn't what he was big, asking. Like, yeah, it wasn't this big secret or omission or, or betrayal or something. She didn't know until after it was too late to be able to to, to tell him communicate yeah. that with him. Yeah. yeah. And I I really like how Kai finally starts to piece things together much mm-hmm. faster now because he's like, oh, that's why Lavana is going bat crazy. Oh, no, she knows. It's it. not just that she wants some random lunar fugitive. She wants Celine. And I, that makes way more sense. I really like this moment for him because he talks to Cinder and he's like, it never occurred to me that she would already know that you were alive. I thought we'd just say, here's Celine. And she would be like, okay, well, I guess I'm, I'm done then. Right. And it, it's a yeah, really. Thought we would just like find her and she's the queen and. Lavana would Done. fall into a hole and that would be the end of Lavana. <laughs> it's a really naive ex- expectation for him to have had. Like it's very clear like he didn't think that all the way through. And I think it's good for him to have that moment because in the chapter before, he's kind of condescending to Cinder. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, "Please tell Pretty. me this isn't something that just cuz you're jealous and want to be with me." It's like, "Yes, that's why oh I stormed a wedding caused an international interplanetary event and kidnapped an emperor <laughs> it's because i was throwing a tantrum right it's because i had right. a crush on you and i couldn't handle it yeah. yes and so <laughs> please don't this, think so little of me <laughs> this is kind of a moment for him to realize like i have not been fair in this situation and no. there's more going on than i was ever aware of yes and again uh, surprise <laughs> yeah I really love when Levon he says, like, I just thought Levana would, like, crawl into a hole. And Cinder is like, do you know your fiancé? Yes. Of course Levana's <laughs> not going to crawl into a hole. She's going to fight. She tried to kill Celine so that she could be queen. You think if Celine comes back, she's going to be like, oh, you're right. It's your throne. No, she's going to be like, I guess I didn't murder you properly the first time. Let me try again. Right? Exactly. She's not going to just go away so easily. Yeah. And so, like, I like that realization for him of, like, oh, crap, I haven't actually thought this through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was just so hyper-focused on getting someone else to, to, to have that role that 
he was like, you know what? How can we get rid of Lavana? Well, someone else could be queen. Done. We just need to find the missing princess. And he didn't really consider what would happen after you found the missing princess. Right. And for me, this is such like a, a Gryffindor moment for him of this kind of like short-sighted nobility because he expects everybody to play by the rules. Like he expects if they say, hey, this is the true queen, you haven't been playing fair he expects the person to go, oh, you're right. Justice dictates that I step down. But, but that's not how Lovana operates. Justice would have dictated not trying to murder your niece in the first place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Justice would have dictated not being Lovana's entire personality. In the first <laughs> oh my place. gosh, I know it. <laughs> so they have this really sweet moment here where Kaya's like, okay, can we agree? No more secrets, please. I have enough going on. And Cinder starts to think to herself, okay, no more secrets, no more lies. Cyborg, Lunar, Princess. Oh, right. I might also be in love with you. Yeah. No, I'm not going to say that one. Oh, Instead, it was so I will sweet. say I can't cry. <laughs> I, love, I loved that moment. It's one of my it's favorite so moments cute. in the chapter. It's really it sweet. Is. And I love the way that he sets it up with he, because what he actually says is, I can't handle any more big reveals from you. Yeah, because like she she has dropped a disproportionate number of bombshells on him, quite a few. Also, she just kidnapped him, so he's a little stressed out. He's a little stressed out at the moment. And didn't she say that like the the tranquilizer causes like headaches and nausea? Like he is not having a good day. He's not having a good day. Nobody's offered him anything. No one was like, "Do you want some tea or some Tylenol?" They were just like, "Hey, by the way, I know you're already going through like mm, about nine thousand things, and you're injured, but also here's this other bombshell. <laughs> Can somebody give this poor guy a break, please? I know. <laughs> Feel oh bad for Kai. Draw him a bath or something. I don't right? know. He's getting this has been a very ringer. stressful couple of books for Kai. I'm not gonna lie. It has, <laughs> and it's hard to it's hard to say if he'd be having a worse day right now if he hadn't gotten kidnapped and he'd gotten married to I Lavana mean, if he instead. Was married to Lavana right now, would he that might be, be a worse dead? day? Yes, right. probably, I don't think it but... would be. He'd probably be dead or being held captive in his own palace or something. I mean, I, I can't imagine it would be great, right? Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I was going to say that I really love this next sequence where what the thing that Cinder has always hidden above everything else, like even more honestly than being Lunar, is her cyborgness. She's always, she's got this internalized hatred of it almost. And so this next scene where she's telling him all about like, this is why I can't cry and I have a net screen in my eyeball and... He's seen her diagram and her chart. I love that he apologizes for the fact that he saw this this fact about her that she's clearly uncomfortable with him knowing. It's kind of an invasion of privacy. I mean, he literally saw her medical records. Like, I understand she's a fugitive, he's the emperor, but it's still... I understand, like, from Cinder's perspective, why that would feel like an invasion of privacy. She yeah. didn't give him permission yeah. to know those things. And I love that he apologizes for it. In this moment. Yeah, that is, it is good that he apologized. I mean, I can see why she's so uncomfortable though. Like think about, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's everything. Every time you go to the doctor and you do anything, it's 
secretive kind of, you know, in a way. And it's like very private and personal. And then to be like, have some, okay. It would be like, if somebody were to be like, to, were to say to me, yeah, I, uh, I saw your, your mammogram from your last appointment. I'd be like, what? I'm sorry. You saw my what? Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. And it'd be like, um, that's a bit personal. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Bad enough. Now other you people know? have access to them. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but I also love that she starts here to let herself be open and be vulnerable. And the, the real hesitation she has is that she's afraid that if he, he learns too much about how other she is, it's going to be the end of his affection and regard for her. Like the, no, it's the opposite. I know, I know. It's like brilliant. Can it's I like, see? This is so cool. Is ret- it's He's hilarious. like, you're a retina scanner in your brain. This is amazing. Can I see it? And he even like pulls her hands away from her face so he can look at there. And he's just like, wow. I'm like, <laughs> yes. I love when uh, in the beginning of the sender, when Cinder is talking to Dr. Elon for the first time. She says, uh, I'll be more appreciative when I find a guy that thinks complex wires are a turn on. Yes. You got one, girl. Yes, right here. <laughs> and I just love Yay. that this thing that she thinks is the most shameful thing about her is the thing that he's like, it's whatever. Because there's there's a moment in the chapter before that I'm sure you talked about in your last episode, but I wasn't here, um, <laughs> <laughs> where She's like, yeah, you would have been ostracized for taking a cyborg to the ball. And he's like, I would have been ostracized for taking a lunar to the ball, Cinder. Like, But he also openly admits, like, she was like, I'm sorry I didn't tell you about the cyborg thing. And he was like, no, you're right. I probably never would have talked to you again. Because they've got ingrained yeah. prejudices in this society. And they so have some severe prejudices in this society. It's good that that's addressed here. And it comes up a little bit later, too where she's talking about how she's related to Levana and he's like, well, my great great grandfather signed the cyborg act. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't have control over like what your, your ancestors did. You can just try to learn from it as you go forward in life. Right. Mm-hmm. I do love how in this moment, you know, she, um, She's explaining about all of her wiring and stuff and how she doesn't need tear ducts and all of this. And then she gets so embarrassed and she buries her face in her hands. And then he's just like, it's kind of brilliant. And she's like, what? Like, they, it catches it. her off guard. And it just, it's so perfect because all he does, he's like, no, that's actually really brilliant. Like, that's really cool. And it's a really fun thing. And then he just is like, can I see? Can I see? And I love the sentence that it says she groaned knowing that if she had the ability to blush, her face would be as red as his wedding sash. That was one of my favorite moments. It's sweet. And I love how it like leads straight into he's getting real close to her face so he can like Mm -hmm. see the the scanner in her eye. And then like they both realize at the same moment, like how close they are to each other. And then the moment like (laughs) shifts into something completely different. And it's amazing. It's so fun. Bob's. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. So she shows him her retina scanner and it's uh, her retina newsfeed and it's about the African Union and he's holding her wrists, which tingle. Of course they do. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm glad you're okay. I'm sorry I arrested you. <laughs> it's so romantic. She, it she is, apologizes right? for shooting him and he apologizes for arresting her. <laughs> It's been a wild ride these two two have been on. Yes. 
quite a relationship. And I love when she's like, the hand is new. Like this yes. one conversation. It's like a weird technologically flirty conversation. Where Cinder I love it. Is like, I don't know why I'm saying this. She's like, it's plated with 100 percent titanium. Like, why am I sharing this detail? <laughs> I love it. And he kisses, so he kisses the knuckles. Oh, it's so cyborg Which is such, again, a beautiful moment because he doesn't shy away from her otherness in any way. No. Nah. The the extremities that Audrey condemned her for don't seem to bother him now. Right. Oh, it's so good. And then he's he's like, He's like, um, just to be clear, you're not using your mind powers on me right now, right? <laughs> She's like, nope, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, I just want to make sure that we're both fully consenting in this moment. Just making this sure is what we're I good wrote here. In my notes, I wrote, then Kai kisses Cinder and I swoon, and I wrote, put three hearts next to it. Yes, <laughs> it's a long-awaited moment. <laughs> yeah, it's the cartoon where they where they kiss and the guy like has hearts coming out of his head yes you know like in old cartoons when like goofy would get a kiss or something and there'd be hearts coming out of his head and doing 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 and his heartbeat is like busting out of his (laughs) chest because he's so in love i'm like yes it's perfect oh i'm so happy but it's kind of ruined pretty quickly yes we take a pretty big turn we go from yay they're finally kissing to Farafra Lunar's Massacre. We knew there were going to be consequences for the Farafra Lunars. They knew there was going to be consequences for mm-hmm. aiding and assisting in Cinder and the Rampian crew's escape. And here is the reveal of what those those consequences are. And she obviously knows about it before he does because she sees it in her feed. He doesn't have access to that. And so from his perspective, like they're kissing and then all of a sudden she's like gasping and pushing him away, horrified. And he has this, again, this really lovely moment talking about consent where he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You're right. I shouldn't have just like kissed you. (laughs) And she's like, no, 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 that's fine. This is something (laughs) completely different. I love when it says that she grabs him before he can pull away. Yeah, yeah. that was so sweet. That was great. Like, and not in a, like a grab, like a forcefulness way, but just in like a no, don't leave. I need you. Yeah, right. This is big. And well, she's probably too like no, no, no. Just so you know, this this is okay. The kissing me, this is great. It's not you. It's her. It's and Moana. this is a beautiful moment for me because like up to this point in this extended conversation between the two of them he's been the overly emotional one and she's been the one in control because she has the information and kind of that that expertise that she's imparting and then in this moment when this massacre they get news of it she loses that control and she goes into a really emotional place but kai immediately slots into the diplomat how okay what is the situation what are the details what mm-hmm. demands what are, are being demands? made what's our next step yeah because what happens is the entire town was murdered mm-hmm. right everyone lunars townspeople humans alike all of them and cinder literally throws a wrench and goes to pick up another one before he stops her 
Yeah. And this is like his emperor voice, right? Because yeah. he's like, okay, what are her mm-hmm. demands? Like he stays absurdly calm and says, what are her demands? And right. she's, of course, saying they're dead because of me. It's my fault. And he's being that voice of reason of like, no, you did not kill them. The biggest thing I think he says, like the most important thing he says is, did they know the risk of helping you? They believed in you and they believed you were worth the risk. And then she <laughs> yeah, says, is this supposed to be helping? <laughs> it's so angry. Oh, and I... I love the part where she finally admits, though, like, I'm scared. Yes. Yeah. That was so great. I loved this because, you know, he's trying to comfort her. And then she finally says, okay, here's here's the real deal. Here's the biggest secret. I am scared. I'm really scared. And I love that she just, like, lets all of it go and tells him all about this. Because she, like, I mean, that's a big deal to be able to – Cause I've actually had those moments myself where like, this is, so this is my first year of teaching in a school. And, um, I've definitely had these moments where I've sat down with one of the other teachers and was like, this is how I feel right now, because there are so many expectations and all these things that people are wanting from me and expecting me to do. And then, and I don't know how to handle it all. And I'm scared to think of like, I'm not going to be able to do it all. And I'm going to be this horrible teacher. And so she's, you know, she's, having this moment too, where she's like, I don't, I don't know how to be a queen. All these people are relying on me and expecting all of this stuff from me, but I am scared and I don't know how to do this. Yeah. I actually, I pinpointed, this as my favorite quote from the chapter. Um, Mm -hmm. The whole, you want to know another secret, the biggest secret. I'm scared. Kai, she thought it might make her feel better to say the words out loud, but instead they only made her feel pathetic and weak. Um, And I could have done the whole rest of the chapter, the paragraph, because this sequence is what I love. And it's for all of those reasons. It's because Cinder's not had a person that she could say all this to up to this point. Mm -hmm. Every Mm -hmm. single person that's been part of the crew has been looking to her for answers. She doesn't have a confidant. She doesn't have somebody on her level that she can be vulnerable in front of. And they've even been frustrated with her when she didn't have the answers, when she couldn't come up with them. Right. Like that expectation has solely been on her. Like, I'm thinking back to like when she first met Scarlett and Scarlett was like, why haven't you been doing anything? And then she gets right. to Africa and Dr. Erland was like, do you even have a plan? And then, you know, she tells him her plan and he's like, that's the best you could come up with. And it's like, <sighs> you guys give this girl a break. She found out she was the princess like eight minutes ago. Right. And nobody up until now her entire life has been like, keep your head down, do your job and keep your mouth shut. And all of a sudden she's supposed to go be a revolutionary and nobody's ever asked her if she wants this like nobody has ever asked her hey do you want to go be queen of the moon it's just been this expectation of someone needs to dethrone Lavana. you were born to it so even though you haven't been raised that way even though you know nothing about it obviously that's going to be you so go take care of it and so she's never had anybody that she can admit to i don't know what i'm doing i don't know how to do any of this, I'm scared not just of the danger that I'm in in this current situation, but I'm scared of what happens if I do win. Like, what happens if we are successful and then I'm locked into this life that I never asked for and don't know if I want because I haven't had a second to sit down and actually think about what it means for me. And that's why I love her and Kai because Kai's able to say, listen, 
I understand. And he does. He's maybe the only person who does understand the weight of responsibility falling on you when you're that young. Right. But I love, I love too, that his response to her is just, she says all of that. And then he just gives her a hug. Like, I mean, it's just, it's like literally arms wrapped around her. And I'm like, that is the most perfect line. That is what we need. (laughs) It's just, he, I could just envisioning this and he just comes up and just holds her. And I'm like, yeah, good guy. You know what she needs right now. That's what she needs. She just needs a big hug. Well, also, I love that in this moment, like before all of this happens, it says that she dropped to the ground and had her legs splayed out like a broken doll. Then she gives this speech about why she feels so scared and so broken and then arms wrap around her. The the feeling of having that kind of physical and emotional comfort when you feel like broken, it's it's like one of the most cathartic things you can ever have in your life. And it's literally all Cinder has been needing this entire series, like, why has no one given her a hug before? Oh, my gosh. How touch-starved yes. must she be? Because she, she didn't oh. get any physical affection from Audrey. No. Heck no. She maybe probably got it from Peony, but Peony's been gone. Right. Like, nobody else is going to give her a hug. I love this moment so much. I love Kai and Cinder. They're my favorites. I love <laughs> Honestly. They're so great. I think I was and on the I, fence the last time I was on the podcast, but, like... 100% Kai is my favorite. Like, I just, I'm not going to hide from it anymore. I'm just going to embrace it. There you go. And the, the one part I think that's so important to, to discuss is the biggest fear Cinder has is that she's turning into Lavana. Mm-hmm. She says, I manipulated your advisor and countless guards and Wolf. I killed a police officer in France and I would have killed more people if I'd had to. And then she even says that she tortured thaumaturge Mira and enjoyed it almost almost enjoyed doing it almost found a level of satisfaction from manipulating her in that way well it's it's really interesting for me this scene I love this scene because um I have in the novel that I just finished in November um I have a similar moment between two characters where one of them is afraid that she's turning dark and she's yeah. going to go down this dark, evil path. And the response she gets from the person she's talking to when she's finally brave enough to admit it is, okay, but you're not going to go dark because you are not a person mm-hmm. who can go dark. That's not part of who you are. Right. And I love that that's Kai's response. Like, listen, you're not going to turn into Lavana because you're a good person. And I know that to be true about you. But it's funny then because then she's like, well, you can't know that. And he's like, no, I do. And then she brings up that she's, um, Lavana's her aunt. And then he says, you know, what you were talking about before, Cassie. Well, my grandfather signed the Cyborg Protection Act. And yet here we are. And then, of course, we have this fun, humorous moment <laughs> brought into this where mm-hmm. guys like, now let's never talk about you being related to her again because I'm technically still engaged to her. And that's really weird. You know, so yes, it's like we show. We so needed that humor. Oh, my gosh. Classic Marissa moment. You know, we've got this great, like, tender moment. This really awesome stuff is going on between these two. But then it's like, you know what? We're going to just give you this awesome comical line right now to help with this a little bit. Mm -hmm. She asks him, you know, you won't tell anybody about this moment Mm -hmm. of weakness. 
And he's like, nope, this will be just between us. I love that it's perfect. When, she, when he's holding her and she can hear his heartbeat and it makes her feel better. It calms her a little bit. She feels fragile, safe, and almost like a princess. It's so and good. I think this might be the very <laughs> first time that we've ever seen her feel like a princess. Yes. And like that kind of feeling delicate and, mm-hmm. you know, because she's never felt delicate. And, no. and that's explored like frequently that with her heavy leg and her heavy arm. Um, and her job. And her, her job. Like she's never felt. Job. But with and- Kai, she's able to feel that way, like capable of being more than what she's always been told she is. Yeah. Which yeah. is beautiful. It is. I mean, that's like, we all need that. You know, you need to have that person who makes you feel like really and truly that you can do more than you think that you're capable of. And you can be that person that you're aspiring to be, in a way, you know. And we all need that person that can see us even when we can't. Right. Kai sees her. Mm-hmm. so clearly in a way that she just doesn't see herself right now. And she even says like, oh, you know, even if it turns out I make a terrible princess and he's like, the people of Luna don't need a princess. They need a revolutionary. Yes. This isn't about needing a princess. This is about revamping their entire system, basically. And she mm-hmm. she actually likes that a lot better yeah, than princess. I, I, think- <laughs> I would too. It, it suits her personality a lot more. Yeah, I think giving her the tools to reframe in that moment is really important. Absolutely. Yeah, agreed. This is the Novel Universe with your hostesses, Dawn and Ashley. We rate and review the newest and most buzzworthy books. We are true book club ladies that don't always agree, but we do enjoy a good book discussion. You can find the Novel Universe on Apple, Spotify, and Google, where we post new episodes twice a month. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. So grab your favorite beverage and join our universe. And this is when Cress comes in. She's really sorry, but she kind of has to interrupt because she wants to tell them about what's going on because cinder's like no it's okay i already know about lavana and, sh- and or in farafra and she's like um it isn't just farafra their ships are swarming earth every continent thousands of soldiers are invading the cities her other soldiers they're like animals like predators and again <sighs> we have kai his emperor voice his leader voice his yeah. first reaction what is earth yeah, doing what are we how doing? are we defending ourselves mm-hmm. i know that this is a really serious like moment but I, I can't help but imagine out in the, like, other area, Cress and Thorn and Iko t- trying to decide, okay, who's going to go interrupt them? Like, yeah. I don't want to do I it. Picture, <laughs> like, I also picture, like, Cress and Iko with their ears at the door, like, listening to what's <laughs> going on. And, and, and Thorn is like, what's going on? Away, but he's like, what's happening? What's happening? And Iko's like, I better hearing. I get the door. Like, <laughs> drawing straws to see, like, who's going to go. Who are they least likely to be mad at? You know, let's send Cress. Yeah. <laughs> Cress, is, Cress is the newbie. She's really, she's got, like, such a sweet disposition. Who could be mad at this cute little little tiny thing and so right? Kress has to be the one to go in there 
I love it. But you know, oh I could gosh. also see Iko being like, I'm her best friend. I'll tell her. Like, right. mm-hmm. you know, Thorne being like, I'm captain of the ship. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to, though. Like, I think Iko would be like, I'm her best friend. I only give good news. <laughs> yeah. Iko would be like, I'm not interrupting a Mui, a gushy. Right. Um, they're they're making out in their time. <laughs> yeah. They're making out. I'm not getting in the way of that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, write me the fan fiction. <laughs> write it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so Earth has declared a state of war. They have started the evacuations. Torin is the temporary leader for Eastern Commonwealth, of course. I of course. love Torin. Yeah. God, I love Torin. He's so great. Kai turns to Cinder and says, I think it's about time you told me about this plan. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, Kai. I think yeah. as much fun as it was kissing and admitting our feelings. Uh, time to move on. <laughs> the world has moved up our timeline. There's a much bigger sense of urgency. We have got to do something. Yeah. Time to get ready. Time to now, get ready. Yeah. Lots going to happen here. I love here. this. I am going to read her last line, though. Um, you said yourself that the people of Luna need a revolutionary. So I'm going to Luna. And I'm going to start a revolution. Mike, drop. Yeah. Yes, please. It. It's fantastic. Oh, Perfect. It's so good, you guys. And that's the end of book three. Ah. Ah. Oh. That so is like intense. best ending ever. Best yeah. ending. It's good. Oh, it's good. It's, it's perfect. And and you know what's strange is that next is Ferris, right? Ferris came out mm-hmm. in between Socrates and Winter. And Marissa herself titled Ferris book 3.5 and recommends that you read it in between Cress and Winter, which obviously I love Marissa, but that feels kind of cruel <laughs> to end right? on that cliffhanger and then to give us a, no- a novella. It was, it was kind of just our focus. <laughs> it was kind of the same feeling I always had uh, when I was reading Rick Riordan as his books were coming out. Because he was also really consistent, like every October, you would get the next book in his series. But in between, he would publish like his little books of short stories. And every mm-hmm. time one of those came out, I'd be like, hey, that's great. I'm happy for you. But um, maybe we could have <laughs> used that time to work on the book. <laughs> Yeah, and release like, Let me that talk ahead to you time. about uh, time management. <laughs> Maybe we can release the fun stuff after we know that everything works out in the end, right? Oh, that's so true. I mean, that's what Holly Black did. She released all three books in the Cruel Prince series, and then the Folk of the Air series. Excuse me, and then she released the novella about Cardin. So you know. That's that's the way to do it. Because it, <laughs> it was like, I'm going to read this, Marissa. Like, I'm going to read mm-hmm. this book that you've given me. But the whole time I'm reading it, it is not what I want. <laughs> it's not what I asked for, and you know it. No. But, but it's a really I, good book, and it's valuable. It is really I good. That, it is. But that's is. not what I asked for. <laughs> so, um, actually, today I got a text from my older brother. Um, and we recommend books to each other that then we just don't read. Ever for years. <laughs> nice. Yeah, like, it's just, it's, That's awesome. It's our relationship. But um, <laughs> today I got a text from him. He says, I have finally finished the Lunar Chronicles and I am ready to shout with you about them. Yes. <laughs> I was like, hooray. But I immediately texted him. I said, when you say that you've finished, have you read 
Ferrest, Stars Above, and Wires and Nerves. And he goes, I've read Ferris. I haven't read the other two. I was like, come and talk to me when you have <laughs> when you finished finish the series. Of. <laughs> After you're done. Yeah. The graphic novels are amazing. They're really good too. They are. But, but I want to be able to talk about like everything, including that post-series coda that's in Stars Above with him. Because otherwise I will spoil it. So it's like, finish that one and then come talk to me. Yeah. Absolutely. But I'm very excited. Finish the whole series so we can actually talk about the whole yeah, series. Like, and then I'll be more excited. It's like, are you new? Like, read it Whoa. all. <laughs> What's going on? Are you new? <laughs> Don't you know this is what you have to do? Um, but I haven't seen my brother in person in like more than a year at this point because he lives, he's not in my bubble. He lives um, on the other side of the state, hmm. uh, which is really rough because we used to see each other all the time and so i'm excited for the day when we can be in person to shout about this book series together absolutely that'd be great so now we have two standing fan dates my brother and i once everything's done to talk about lunar chronicles and also to like geek out as we listen to the entirety of the prince of egypt um stage musical soundtrack Awesome. Nice. I just need some music theory geek, which is my brother, um, to like go through each song and talk about why it's so smart. <laughs> and I'll, I just annoy my husband when I try to do it. Like I don't – I like the songs. They're cool. But I don't care about like exactly why this leitmotif is important because it's an inverted version <laughs> of like this other thing. And he definitely doesn't want to spend three hours on it. But – Listen, Cassie, anytime you need someone to talk musical theater with you, I am here for you. I am here. Like, I even, I was trying to um, teach my students. We, okay, so we just did um, an Elizabethan theater and Shakespeare unit. Fantastic. And um, I had wanted to show them the Romeo and Juliet from 1996 with Leonardo DiCaprio because it's mm-hmm. the most perfect version ever. But I had this idea like on a Friday to do this on Monday and the administration was like, it's rated PG-13. You have to have permission from the parents. So I was like, well, forget that. So instead, <laughs> I was like, well, what else can I do? What else can I show them to go along with this? Um, you want to guess what I picked? It's a Broadway musical. <laughs> Did you show them West Side Story? I did. Fantastic. I did, I did yes. have to give a disclaimer beforehand, though. Uh-huh. And, you know, we had to have a chat about the racism that's in it. But, yes. but, so, but I was like, yeah, West Side Story. And I was trying to get them to appreciate all of it. And some of them were great, but my seventh graders, every time one of the songs came on, they were like, oh my gosh, they're singing again. I'm like, they're singing. It's a yeah. musical. <laughs> if I'd known you, like a month ago, I would have recommended my theater company actually just did Romeo and Juliet in 2019 oh, um, that I directed and our production is up on YouTube. Um, I was able to bring to life the concept that I've had for this play since college. Um, and I set it on a playground between rival elementary school classes. <gasps> That's so fun. It was so much fun. I told everybody, I was like, you need to come see the show twice because you need to watch it once for the actual play, but then you need to watch it a second time for the long form improv show that is just playground shenanigans of all of, because every character was on stage the whole show. 
they were just like doing recess in the background. That's, That's awesome. so nice. Um, they had so much fun with it. Well, I'm telling you, I am here for you. Anytime you want to discuss musical theater or theater of any kind, really. Listen, TikTok's making everything into a musical. Can we get somebody to do the <laughs> Lunar Chronicles TikTok musical? Dude, that would be oh, awesome. Please, please, oh my gosh. Please, please. It would have to be like a 12-hour extravaganza. Yeah, it would. But I'd be here for it. <laughs> Me too. Like speaking of things that you get excited about, but you're also like, but yeah, they're going to turn Instant Karma into a TV series, HBO Max. And Marissa's super excited. And I'm like, dude, I'm super happy for you. I really am. But Lunar Chronicles got here first. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Where is Lunar Chronicles? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, we will see. Oh, it also my god. And I need so I need a, a live action version of this cuz I need this scene from this chapter, right? To be like acted out in front of me. Please I know. and thank and you. There's so much like amazing fan art out there that I definitely appreciate. I just want more. I'm I'm greedy and I want more. I'm selfish. I can't have I'm enough. Just- I'm just paranoid about which actors will be chosen. That's all I'm going to – I mean, you yeah. know, it could go so many ways. And I'm just – I you just – being such big fans of it, you just want to have the perfect actors portraying these characters. And so – Absolutely. It's kind of scary at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of our chapter titles because, Cassie, you have one that's musical theater related. So right. So it's kind of on the same <laughs> wavelength. As I, as I said last time I was on, um, I don't music very well in terms of, like, <laughs> popular radio. I just wasn't raised on it. I was raised on NPR and show tunes. Nice. Um, and so, like, <laughs> you ask me to pick a song – what I know is uh, musical theater songs. So I actually chose uh, Take Me As I Am from Jekyll and Hyde. And I've had these songs stuck in my head since I sent that email. Um, Oh, wow. And I know that it's mostly about the title, um, but I did just want to highlight like two of the lyrics from this song and that kind of pinpoint why I, I chose it for this. Um, so this is a song that's between Dr. Jekyll and his love interest, Emma. Um, and there's these two really great lyrics, though fate won't always do what we desire. Still, we can set the world on fire, which is just a great lyric. Um, but the real one, that's really why I chose it, which is, and when despair tears me into who can I turn to, but you, it's perfect. Take me as I am Mm -hmm. like, accept me for all of these pieces and parts and just be there for me when I need someone to lean on and together we will make it through. And if that's not Kai and Cinder in this chapter, I don't know what is. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's perfect. Leah, what was your song choice? Okay. So I picked the song Arms by Christina Perry um, because just from that like one moment in the chapter where it just says arms wrapped around her and Kai pulls Cinder into a hug um, and some of the lyrics in the song It says, I never thought that you would be the one to hold my heart, but you came around and you knocked me off the ground from a start. And then he says, you put, and then it says, you put your arms around me and I'm home. And I just thought that that was perfect for um, that moment in this chapter with Cinder and Kai. I love it. Mm -hmm. So many good song choices out there. 
There so are. So I, I chose Kissing You by Miranda Cosgrove <laughs> um, <laughs> because it's so cute. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so literally the lyrics are, sparks fly, it's like electricity. I might die when I forget how to breathe. You get closer and there's nowhere in this world I'd rather be. And it's all about getting kissed for the first time and yeah. falling in love. And Beautiful. everything starts making sense when you have this one person that gets you. And oh, it melts my heart for the two of them. I'm just it's like, so perfect. yes, finally. Because oh, you I guys love know it. I'm just like the biggest hopeless romantic. My heart <laughs> is so full of love what? with this chapter. I'm like, yes, finally. Finally. <laughs> So let's talk about our chapter quotes for today. Leah, do you want to go first? Sure. I actually picked that very last line in the chapter of the whole book because it's perfect. You said yourself that the people of Luna need a revolutionary. So I'm going to Luna and I'm going to start a revolution. It's just so perfect. I love it. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, amazing. Yes. Cassie, what was your uh, chapter quote? Yeah, I mentioned earlier, mine was, um, do you want to know a secret? The biggest secret of all, um, I'm so scared. That that segment, mm-hmm. um, just because I think it's a really important movie. Ugh. Trying to do too many things at once as I was trying to find the actual page. It's a really important <laughs> moment uh, for Cinder because she's, in true Cinder fashion, she's being aggressively vulnerable. Yes. yes. <laughs> she's like really <laughs> defensive about the fact that she's being vulnerable and she's kind of like throwing it at him. Like I'm being vulnerable. Okay. Just take it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the fact that she now has somebody who she can actually say this to is such mm-hmm. an important moment. And admitting that this fear exists is, you know, the first step to, to being able to overcome it and to deal with it and to like develop strategies to, continue pushing forward yeah Mm -hmm. wonderful so that one's mine i chose she thought she might be a tiny bit in love with him that one's also really good i'm sorry i can't stop with the swooning and my heart and i'm just uh, when she thinks (laughs) that in her head i'm like yes I remember when i realized that i loved my husband and i remember that moment of like is it too soon to say it out loud? Like, yeah, you know, is, is, you know, that moment of you just, you feel like you're bursting with love and you just want to say it. You want to scream it, but there's that little voice in the back of your head. That's like, no, I can't <laughs> say this out loud. I can't right? scream it. Uh, uh, not, yeah. <sighs> not to ruin the tender moment, but it reminded me of, um, from a very Potter musical. If you're familiar with that, <laughs> at one point, um, it's a it's a Harry Potter parody. I, I know show. what it is. I just haven't gotten around to watching it. There's a there's a really fun moment where Harry and Ron are talking about like having crushes on people, and Hermione is like, "You could just tell Cho how you feel," and Ron says, "You never tell a girl you like her. It makes you look like an idiot." <laughs> and this this line reminds me of that because she's like, "I might be a little bit in love with him." But of course, I'm not going to tell him that. Like, of course, right. I can't say that <laughs> out loud. Like of course not. 
I can kidnap him from his wedding, but I can't tell him that I'm in love with him. I was going to say that. I was like, she's so brazen. She can literally shoot him and kidnap him from his own wedding. But saying I love you is where we draw the line. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But I just love that moment when she has that realization of like, I might be just a little bit tiny bit in love with you. Yeah. Mm. And it's hard. And I have been with my husband for a very long time um i mean obviously i had like other boyfriends and stuff but we met when i was 15 we started dating when i was 19 like it's basically just been him right yeah and i still remember and i still get butterflies now and stuff especially if like i'm having a bad day and i know he's almost home then i'm like yes finally a hug um (laughs) Mm. but I still remember those early moments in the relationship when it was new and exciting and every little thing was like, does this mean what I think it means? You know? And I I just, I love that the two of them are experiencing this and they're, you know, they're waiting in the water. They don't want to, you don't want to go head first. You want to walk in and test it out and see how it does. And I'm really looking forward to where their love story goes in the future. I just want more. And I also just me I too love that Kai he doesn't hold a grudge at all. Like yeah, he's nope. he's angry that he got kidnapped because he doesn't understand what's going on or why it's happening. But as soon as he like has all of the pieces, he's like, "Oh, okay. Cool. It's perfectly acceptable now for me to be in love with you. I'm going to kiss you." <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, seriously, you guys my heart. I just swim. So I know. This week, there were zero Easter eggs. There were the bonus word hair appeared two times. Next week, Amanda from Adapted for Your Viewing podcast will be back, which means it's a topical episode. We are going to cover Disney's Tangled, my favorite movie. I'm so freaking (laughs) excited to just gush about this movie for like two hours. I love it so much. Um, obviously follow on Instagram, rate, review, and subscribe, but Leah and Cassie, please take a moment, tell everybody where they can find your podcast. Cassie, make sure you mention both of them. Cause I always forget about your Shakespeare one. Right. Yeah. So, um, my fairy tale podcast with my co-host Drew is of slippers and spindles. We are on Instagram out of slippers and spindles. We are on Facebook. If you search of slippers and spindles and we have an email address, of slippers and spindles at gmail.com. We really love to chat with you. Um, I actually just did like a video chat today with, no, yesterday, um, with just the sweetest eighth grader named Ava, um, who reached out and wanted to talk about uh, diversity in children's literature for a school project she was working on. And we chatted about that. And then we and then we spent 20 minutes showing each other our bookshelves and being like, have you read this? And have you read this? And have you read this? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which yeah, is awesome. the sweetest thing. It was the sweetest thing. So like send us it. an email because we're always happy to chat. Um, at the moment, it's going to be more me that you get than Drew, but he might pop in and, and reply a couple times too. Um, and then my other podcast is called Shakes Beer, B-E-E-R, um, at the end. And that's my husband's podcast network. Um, it's called Ghost Light Media. And so our podcast specifically, you can find at shakespearepod.com. We have merch um, with a couple like really, really niche inside jokes from the podcast. I have a Timon Pericles 2020 um, campaign t-shirt from our merch store. So that's a deep dive. (laughs) 
Um, and <laughs> yeah, so he, the podcast network is our podcast about Shakespeare. And then um, a few, like a handful of like live play D and D podcasts. So if you're into that, um, that's the rest of our podcast network is D and D centered. So they have a good time with that. And our Shakespeare podcast is always lots of fun. And that's where you can find me podcasting on the internet. Awesome. Nice. Leah, why don't you tell everybody about your podcast? Sure. Um, The best place to follow me is on Instagram. I do have a Facebook, but I'm way more active on Instagram. So that's really the best spot to look. And it's just at YA Book Chat. And then you can find the podcast on pretty much any uh, platform where you get your podcasts. It is there. Um, If you check out my bio on my Instagram page, um, there's a link tree there that has links to the podcast website and merch and my Patreon as well. Um, So yeah, all of that is there. And I love your Patreon so much because I'm actually you. on her Patreon. Yes. Um, and please check out my Patreon too, patreon.com slash princekaifanpod for a chance to be a guest on an episode and lots of other super cool perks. Um, also, just a reminder, in two weeks, Marissa will be back as she promised. She Yay. will come back at the Whoa. end of every book so to discuss fun. Easter eggs. So I'm super excited and see if there's any more that I found that she didn't intend. I was, I'm always excited for those ones. Um, and I think that's it, you guys. That's, that is episode 100 and the end of book three. Um, it's really great that they coincided like that. Yes. Right. You planned it. Admit it. No, I didn't, (laughs) but it was very serendipitous. I wish I could take credit. I cannot. Um, so just a big thank you to both of you for being here. Um, and I'm really excited to see where both of your podcasts go. And of course, about all of the future the content that we're going to cover um, in Ferris and winter coming up. Ferris is going to be a very long six months. Very stressful. Um, <laughs> lots of tri- lots of trigger warnings at the beginning of episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, Seriously. Lots to look forward to. Yes. <laughs> I, I started taking notes um, a couple of weeks ago and I was like, yeah, this chapter is going to need a warning for sure. <laughs> this is some dark stuff, you guys. It mm-hmm. is. And I remember reading it for the first time, no spoilers, but just sitting back and going, Marissa, stop making me feel sorry for Lavana." <laughs> Oh, don't Seriously. worry. She does. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty quickly when <laughs> you're reading, you stop feeling sympathy. I know. And then it was like, oh, okay. No, there we go. There's there's, the there's the psychoticness like, coming back. <laughs> Here it yes. is. <laughs> Found it. Very stressful. <laughs> oh, ladies, thank you very much for being here. Absolutely. Um, of course. Please keep reading. Please keep listening. And until next time, don't get glamored. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Crest by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Leah from YA Book Chat Podcast and Cassie from Of Slippers and Spindles Podcast and Shakespeare Podcast. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening.
You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit inspiresleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at inspiresleep.com.